0: I'm Steve Vibronix, and this is the Life in Dub podcast, talking to people who live their lives in dub and reggae. Episode number 34. Welcome to the 34th episode of the Life in Dub podcast. I hope you're all okay out there. As always, I'd like to say thanks for taking the time to listen. This is the podcast that digs deep into reggae and dub history, delivering in-depth interviews with people that live their lives through music. If you want to get in touch with any questions or just want to say hi, then you can email me at vibronics at gmail.com. It's great to hear comments and suggestions from anyone out there listening, so do get in touch, please. All the previous interviews are there to listen back to, so don't forget to go back over them and check out any you've missed. All can be found at lifeindub.com and any of the regular podcast places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even on YouTube. This week, I want to talk a bit about two new record labels. Two labels that asked me to be involved in their very first releases. It's always an honor to be asked by a label, big or small, for music to release. And it's especially nice to be asked to help launch a brand new label with one of my productions. This year, Vibronics has helped two labels with their first ever releases. Storming Dub is a new label from Italy, and a good while back, they asked me about a track called Mountain Pressure that they really liked a raw dub plate track that was never really meant for release but I was happy to see this one come out and help start a Storming Dub label The other new label is called Dub Junction and is based here in the UK They love the track Healing of the Nation that I made with my long term good good friend and vocal collaborator Parvez So despite the many challenges of getting vinyl press these days I was happy to help two brand new labels start out and I wish them both the best of luck with their future releases Storming Dub and Dub Junction, check them out! This week, my guest is Dub Creator, or DC, as I've always called him. He's based in the Netherlands, and many of you will know him from his excellent vocal and dub tracks he's produced for the King Shiloh label. I've known DC a long time, and when we first met, maybe 20 years ago, he was one of the first dub artists to be involved in what was then a brand new thing, the MP3 digital music revolution. Since then, he's produced an amazing body of work, particularly with some top-class vocalists. So enough of me, let's get on with the interview. Cool. Well, Dub Creator, welcome to the Life in Dub podcast. Thank you. Uh, Very nice you could join me. Uh, You're over there in the Netherlands, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Just, Just about 20 minutes drive from Amsterdam. Cool.
0: Yeah, I'm so used to doing these things remotely now. And when I started the podcast over a year ago, they were all face-to-face. But for a long, long time, they've been on this kind of remote way to do it. But I'm totally used to it now. Yeah, that's the way it goes now, right now. (laughs) Nice. Well, listen, what I do at the start of each interview... Um, I ask everyone the same question, and everyone's really familiar with it now, and it's just a way to kind of kickstart things off, Um, but I just want to, if you want to name a track that's been really important, influential, kind of helped you turn a corner, you know, some kind of, really, when you look back, you think, yeah, that track really was important. I don't know if you've got a track like that you want to mention. Um, Yeah, there's only one. Well, it's hard, you know what I mean? <laughs> Some people have named a few,
1: but, you know, if, if it's a few, it's a few. But, like, yeah, I don't know what you want yeah, to say yeah, about yeah. that. It's, it's, because it, it is it is a few, you know. There are really a few tracks that really influenced uh, me uh, since since the beginning of uh, making, uh, making uh, dub music, you know. So, but, yeah, where, where to start with then is um must be dub syndicate in the track called uh, walking your Jer- jerusalem you probably know it, yeah, yeah, of course. But it's got such a, such a vibe for me, you know, and and the the the, the sound of it, it's it's really it, it, that that track that, that hit me in to get into the music, to get really into the music. But there's, there, there's some others as well, but mm-hmm. a bit a bit the same, like Map Professor and Robotics. You got like a six million dub, you know, those those kind of tunes. That really got me into it. Uh, Dread and Fret, Warrior Stance, the whole album. Um, you got Prince Jummy's computerized dub, 19, 1985. Those those kind of things that really, really got me hooked on it. It's interesting because obviously Dub Syndicate
0: is a. You know, Adrian Sherwood production, really well produced, and then the Dread and Fred stuff is like wicked music, but much more kind of raw and like basic kind of production. It's kind of they're sort of at the opposite ends of the sort of dub scene,
1: I guess, in some ways. Yeah, true, true. Well, it's more like with the Dread and Fred. It was more like it's the beginning of the of the synths, you know, the more uh, affordable synths and what you could do with that. Uh, that was very interesting to uh, to hear, and with dub syndicates, of course, more uh, more a band and well produced. But you could achieve uh, good quality with just just synthesizers. You know, you you, you can hear the the uh, in the dread and fret. You can hear the Roland's in there. It, it, it just sounds very nice. And how did you how did you find this kind of music? Because it's it's they're
0: all pretty underground releases. Even you know, Mad Professor's a really big artist, but it's still all of dub and reggae is pretty underground stuff, really.
1: Yeah, because uh, looking around, you know, and you, you get things from friends uh, at a certain point. Um, yeah, but then, then I have to go back, you know, when you when you started listening to reggae music and you got hooked on the reggae music. And then you start looking for more and different kind of things, uh, going to uh, record shops where you find these kind of things. We, we had a uh, really small record shop in Harlem called one love rasta shop Uh, you can you could uh, buy there some weeds and uh, but also records so you just spend the whole day over there to walk looking through all the uh, all the boxes with records and then you came across these kind of things see us over here in the uk we always looked in envy at the netherlands what it's like you
0: know you can buy weed and music in the same place that's like (laughs) for us it's amazing
1: (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, well, in England, it's now about the same, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty similar now. And um, and w- were you aware that there was some kind of scene and a sort of a, a movement for reggae music in in Holland back then? Could you could you sense that they, it was popular?
1: Um, no, back back in that day, no, not really. No, it was just some friends, of course, we were smoking and it was like uh, listening to reggae music and that was about it. It was I wasn't even aware of, of a scene or something like that. And back in that time, I even didn't make music myself. And how how did you start making music? I mean, what what was your way into it? I always was listening to music, of course, and but at some point I was getting um, certain I get melodies in my head and listening to those music and think, well, I th- I think it had to, it has to sound like this or it has to sound like that. Uh, this kind of melody should be in it. You started having um, ideas, for then like I, I know what I want to make. Yeah. That kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. and But I didn't have any experience in making music at that point. So at some point I came across uh, a shop uh, here in the Netherlands and it was called uh, the Kijk shop. Uh, so you only had like um, a big glass uh, things where you could look into and they had the stuff lying in there. So I was looking into uh, into uh, a window and saw this little Casio keyboard Costing about a uh, hundred guilders back in that back in the time, and I thought, well, I walk in and I buy it. I, I remember the guilders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was <laughs> but I got back back home with that little keyboard, uh, just uh, one octave keyboard, Casio thing, and I started playing along with uh, with other tunes. And from that point on, I was hooked. I think after a month or something like that, I bought my first Roland uh, Roland synthesizer. Because I guess with music, it's like. Because I I didn't have any kind of
0: formal training or anything, and I had some friends and people around me that were kind of showing me some basics. But if you've got a feeling for it, I think you, you just kind of pick it up.
1: Exactly, that's it. If you got the feeling for it, you could you just go play along, and you can hear the things. After it, I started to uh, to, to get a course um, a musical theory, and it was very, very, very interesting for me. Yeah, to learn. Yeah, that's it. It is great to
0: have someone show you like the fundamentals of like notes and scales. And yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and that was that was really nice. Uh, to get into that, and uh, then things became way more easy, and I started playing in bands. So you you are there playing 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 live in front of people and playing keyboards, is that right? Yeah, but also the funny thing was when we, with the rehearsals, uh, I took this the, the the bass guitar and tried to do that to play that, and well, it was all right as well. Took place after a drum uh, behind the drum kit. I started drumming and said, "Oh well, that's all right." You <laughs> became like a multi instrumentalist straight away. Yeah, but uh, well, I I, just, I don't play anything very well, but I know from every instrument how it has to sound, and that's that's the the key role of a producer, I think. Because um, it's, it's
0: interesting you use the word producer, because that's that's what people know you as, and. You know, how did you make that sort of transition from like playing in bands and things to like producing your own stuff and writing it all and coming up with the ideas? It's like you know, it's a, it's quite a different thing to like playing with guys in a band. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's that's very different. But that's that was my whole point because with uh, playing with uh, with guys in a band, it's fun to do, but uh, you have your own ideas. And uh, you, you're not always able to tell the other guys what your ideas are. So from, uh, yeah, I went to build up my own studio make, and do everything myself. And then you don't have anyone else saying you have to do this, you have to do that. Or, and that works fine. Like so, with I, I still played in bands as well, but doing more and more of my own things in uh, in my studio. It's, it's interesting
0: making a studio back in those days, because now obviously you just look online, the information is all there. But in those days, it's like it's really not easy to find out like what the, the basics of what you need in a studio.
1: Trial and error. <laughs> No, really. I started out when when we were uh, were recording the bands. I I recorded them as well, and then we rented uh, like uh, multi-track machines. You know these 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 big, large and heavy two-inch uh, tape machines, twenty-four track, and some cheap uh, mixing desks to set set up some mics and thing. And then you you learn from that a lot how the things work. You know. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing like making a- them.
0: A really shit job of something to make you understand like how to do
1: it a bit better. Exactly now you have now you have these computers and everybody can uh, can do what they, what they want. Um, but the approach nowadays with the, with the computers is completely different. My approach is still the same way as we worked back then. My computer is strictly a multitrack machine. That's it.
0: So you didn't go to any, like, recording studios or anything? Because that's how I think of you, like, when I met you, was, like, in, in the studio, and I think of you as a studio person. You, you didn't spend any time in other
1: studios and stuff? You, you, did, you, did you learn it all yourself, or did you get to visit some studios? No, it's just once I went uh, to a studio uh, with uh, with a band uh, to record the band over there. But at that time, I already was doing my own things, my own stuff. So, so I already knew the way it worked. But it, it, it really was like uh, learning myself how the studio works, indeed. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's it. And it's just like tri- yeah, try, try trial and, and error anything, and a slow you know? process, isn't it? Slow,
1: slow process. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really slow pl- process but also you got like this advantage uh, that you can uh, develop your own sound. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure because you're not and, using and any stock like plugins or sounds. You're just you're learning how no, to exactly. do it from the ground yeah, up.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Now, now it's just uh, everybody got got like this uh, did this plugins uh, preset here, preset there and, and lots of people just sound the same. And it's like, what I remember, because obviously I've known you a very long time
0: now, and we met a long time ago yeah. in Amsterdam, <laughs> and like e- even before we met, I remember, what, what was that online community kind of thing? Because in those days, online music was totally like new, revolutionary thing, and you were involved oh, in yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what was that thing you were involved in? I can't even remember the name. In the, the, the
1: beginning, indeed, of the online things, you had this uh, mp3.com. Mm-hmm. And I was involved in that a lot. Yet it's like this uh, different, uh, different charts uh, with um, uh, different kind of styles, but also reggae and roots and dub. And uh, well, I just started by uh, uploading uh, two or th- three tracks of it. And then never looked at it about uh, for a week or something like that. And then after a week, I went looking again, and I saw like in this chart, and all three of the tracks were in the top ten. I said, "All right." What what sort of time
0: was this? So when, when this was what in in the nineties?
1: Uh, I think I think it started in nineteen ninety eight or something like that. That's it, because I, I, I remember like this is this is before
0: you know, obviously long before Bandcamp, before MySpace even, I I remember mp3.com. Oh, yeah, 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 indeed,
1: yeah, 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 and the the funny thing was, and you should have this now, you know, mp3.com paid one dollar per download, one whole dollar per download. (laughs) So you actually, like, made some money out of that? Oh, yeah, definitely, (laughs) When, but back in the day, also, they didn't have the PayPal thing, so you get these checks from the USA. Yeah, every, every,
0: everything was so complicated, wasn't it? That's it. It's not, none of the, the easy systems that are in place now
1: just didn't exist at all. And also, even the, the recording uh, on a distance with other people, it wasn't possible because you had the only the, the, the fastest internet connection you had was maybe 14, um, 14 baud or something like that. So with, uh, <laughs> with these modems, you know, the... Kind of things. Back then,
0: <laughs> if you said to people, Oh, you can buy an MP3, people would look at you like, What are you talking about? I don't know what it is. Exactly. It was a, rev- it was a yeah. Whole revolution.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was totally new. It was that was really fun, and even the quality wasn't that good, you know. Now you got like this quite good quality MP3s, but back then, oh man, that wasn't wasn't really well. But the funny thing is, I still see some tracks I released on MP3.com back then. I still see them uh, on YouTube here and there. Are people uploading it. It's uh, it's nice to see those kind of things. Yeah, yeah a, bit, <laughs> a bit of history.
0: And then from
1: yeah, that, yeah, yeah. What,
0: what I remember is um, like is things like. 10 plagues and this kind of move to doing like sound system kind of heavy roots that the, the kind of sound we associate with dub creator now i remember hearing that around that sort of time and how, how did you make that move how did you make that move into into making that kind of music the music we know now
1: yeah well yeah but back then it was more like a crossover uh uh, music I did like it was dub influenced with the basslines lines and things uh, the, the, the skanks ever, everywhere and organs I used but also used a lot of like technoish kind of influences well at some point I went to a festival here in the Netherlands I don't remember exactly what festival it was but it was like um, King Shiloh was playing over there and um, I, I I knew that and I prepared a dot for them. So I gave a dat to Neil. And then after that, I didn't hear, put my phone number up uh, on, and after that, I didn't hear uh, anything from Neil. But at some point, he, uh, he gave me a ring. And he asked me if I was interested in recording some artists uh, over in my studio. So I said, well, well, sure. Uh, and if I had some kind of rhythm uh, as a guide track for them to voice on well, at that point I didn't have anything and so would, the appointment was uh, was in about three days or something and so I started building uh, more of a sound system kind of tune and there was uh, and the rhythm was red light okay and that was voiced by Hydro Natural. Yeah, and, I remember. Uh, Ross I remember. Milo came in. Yeah, so that that was really the really the first thing I got into the sound system. Uh,
0: and when you scene, started, when you started making Shiloh. that that music, is that because you'd heard Shiloh play at this festival and it had some kind of effect on you and kind of left some kind of impression on you?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, before I already went to Shiloh uh, when they even did it. Uh, didn't have their own sound system. I went to dances, but it wasn't really like. Uh, it was more like uh, a club thing. Mm-hmm. And it was also funny. That was back in the time of uh, a lot of Gregory Isaacs tunes and Shabba Ranks tunes. They were playing back then. <laughs> well, you got to entertain <laughs> people, haven't you? But when
0: you hear those kind of rhythms, those modern rhythms on a sound system, and you hear like the tweeters playing the hi hats and the, the depth of the bass and everything, it's like really like wow. I remember hearing it in, in the early '90s, and it's like this, this is different. You know, this is a different kind of
1: music. Exactly. And that—that's that—that's the thing that hit you, and then yeah, you start thinking about it, start attending dances more and more, and then get into the music yourself. Uh, so it, it wasn't really a hard thing to to build a rhythm like that, you know, in in just uh, in just a couple of hours. I well, you know yourself, we did we did it as well when he was over with Jaffrey and uh, Richie uh, to to build this rhythm in uh, in two three hours, voice it, and and done is the tune. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's
0: it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's th- rhythms are, you know, by their nature are really quite simple things.
1: Yeah, that's uh, and that, that's that's really. But but since then, yeah, I was hooked on the sound system thing.
0: And then you started working with Shiloh a lot. I, mean, I know you still do to
1: this day, but.
0: Then things yeah. like you know, I remember Red Light, the Iron Natural tune, and say uh, Ten Plagues, which was like because back in those days yeah. the, the scene was small, but th- but that tune w- kind of was a bit of a breakthrough tune, and it seemed to seemed to do really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The but both the Red Light and uh, and the Ten Plagues, Ten Plagues came uh, a couple of months after, I think. Uh, red Light, uh, yeah, was picked up by Shaka and by uh, Abashanti. He was playing it in a heavy rotation, so there was yeah, I man, that, that was nice that, that was really a kind of breakthrough for me and
0: then did, did you make it over to the UK to hear any of the UK sounds because you mentioned Abashanti and Shaka and that they weren't traveling so much in those days over to the Netherlands
1: No it was more London no what we did was uh, we um, I went to uh, to London with some friends we we yeah, the easy jet uh, you already had back then of course so we just booked a cheap ticket with easy jet to uh, Luton uh, got the bus got to the dance yeah, into the dance, and then when the dance was finished, flying back home. <laughs> it's a hardcore way to do it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but still fun. That's, that's why I have seen uh, Shaka and Abba and uh, uh, Channel One, all the, all the Aeration Steppers, Mark, you know, it's all, the, all the big sound systems. I've, I've seen them there in the Brixton rec and what 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 was your um
0: what was your feeling about these dances because i'm they're quite different to the dutch dances i guess and and in those days you you know it's kind of you get in a big crowd at brixton rec
1: yeah 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 it, it was raw <laughs> but yeah i really have good memories uh, with uh, about that it was nice but different from here not really it, it's um it's it's more more competition wise the dance is but i like that yeah because it's like you can't you can't play a shit tune and you
0: can't have your sound system sounding shit that's that's the that's the great thing about exactly. this this competitive yeah. thing is it's kind of you just need to kind of to up the game all the time
1: yeah, 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 and you have to and you have to have the tunes, you know. And that was and that was for me was was really like uh, to, to hear my own tunes playing uh, on the big sound systems, that that loud, uh, that bass, and, and of course the response of the um, of the audience when you hear your own tune being played and see all those people go mad on your rhythm. That's yeah, well, it's the really good
0: feeling, you know yeah it's very like inspirational in terms of making new music as well I I always came away from those even to this day you know well when we used to have dances (laughs) I come away with ideas for kind of how I want the next rhythm to be and it's because when you're making like sound system music it's um, you know, I think we all make it so people can listen to at home and stuff. But the the root of it is the sound system, and it's you have to yeah. you know, even now you have to
1: remind yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's the... like in a dance. Absolutely, that's that's the way I build a tune uh, with that in that in my mind. You know, that's the, the, when it's when it's in the dance. But and like uh, indeed, like you say, you make some other uh, extra versions uh, which are more uh, more uh, to listen to at home. And with your, with a total diff, different kind of thing. And with your productions,
0: then you know you went on to to really produce a lot of great tracks and and to have some really successful tracks as well. I mean, st- stuff you did with like L um, sixteen, is, is it mm-hmm. can't conquer. I mean, you know. Yeah. Another really big tune. I don't know what it was like working with Earl. I've always found Earl to be a total gentleman to work. Yeah, with.
1: yeah, yeah. That's 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 really the funny thing. I, when you were you were young, when uh, in the in the time I didn't make any music yet, I already listened to Earl sixteen tunes, and then suddenly you have this like this big veteran artist in your own studio and talking to him and it's that's just such a such a feeling you know and but it, it, absolutely with Earl is like yeah gentleman uh, really a real nice guy to work with you know and he's wicked but it was the same thing with um, uh, with Peter Brooks you know mm-hmm. I was back then when I, when I was 15, 14 or 15 I was already listening to the album Peter Brooks Rise and Shine and I played it uh, a whole lot of times back then. Then suddenly you have this man in your studio singing for you on your productions.
0: And how 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 was he then? Was 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 he quite frail then? By then, or was he was he still strong then?
1: Uh, he was back then. He was still strong, but he he had this uh, eye disease called uh, glaucoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, his his sight wasn't wasn't really well, and it was really funny too because uh, I gave him a cup of tea. And he wanted sugar in it, so I put the sugar in it, uh, besides the cup. And he 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 kept on pouring sugar in it and stirring and then tasting, but uh, still not sweet enough. So almost whole cup went in. It. But he was he didn't see it, so he th- he threw it besides the cup. <laughs> And I didn't tell him. <laughs> oh, he was nice. Guy. <laughs> yeah. These
0: are the kind of like the the crazy side of recording that you don't, you know, people hear yeah, yeah, the records, yeah. but the, they don't get to the, see the experience of being with the artists. And exactly,
1: like. exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, and and I was remembering because it was still on the attic um, where, where you've been there as well. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, was back back there in the attic, and we had the window wide open, so he was uh, w- when he voiced everything, and the the, the whole um, the place uh, behind the house where uh, all people were gathering to to hear what was going on, they couldn't see it, but it was that was also funny, you know. We was were recording guy, some guys,
0: some guys singing. I can't believe it, but what what a treat for the neighbors to bring to bring people. Peter Broggs, come and listen to Peter Broggs a cappella for free. <laughs> Yeah. And that's incredible. Yeah, but no,
1: no, no, nobody knew who he was, of course. <laughs> and it was also funny, in, in that place where we lived, of course, the, you had also the, you got all these these artists coming in in and out of the studio, all these people with these big Tams and big beards and dreadlocks, and people always looking, well, what's this? What's going on in there, you know?
0: Because <laughs> uh, at that time, you know, you, you were like, so many artists were passing through. I mean, I know you recorded like King Kong as well, and yeah, um, or, or, and, and they all came to your studio did they?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's. Uh, I prefer to have the people in my studio, it, uh, because you then in, in that way you you can produce them a bit, and and you're sure that you get the sound you want. Mm-hmm. And and it's and the It was always fun. Uh, to have uh, to have everybody in you know and uh, talking reasoning things with king kong as well king kong started started reasoning some kind of story at some point uh, and it took about one and a half hour before he finished the story like, come on we got a track to record
0: Ex- exactly that was the thing too <laughs> yeah but it's that you know having been to netherlands a lot myself it's like the kind of hospitality that you and, and shiloh show um and it's just Obviously, you know, for the herbs man as well, it's like it's a great relaxing place to be. So, oh it's yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a good place for artists, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, for the, especially for artists, uh, for singers, uh, for uh, for reggae and dub singers. But but I maybe you still remember you you, you maybe remember you came with Germania to my studio. At some yeah, you point. you nearly killed him with your weed, I remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I already, I already told him to be careful with this. And Germania was like, "Ah, well, no, man, I'm used to everything, yeah, man, no problem." <laughs> and he he was asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Within like half an hour. Well, I mean, indeed, those, those kind of things are the memories you have, you know. It's and it's yeah, very
0: nice, very and, and, very. And nice. you know, you you carried on and have carried on working with with loads of artists and and you know having big hits with them. Pe- people like Danny Red. I mean the The roar of a lion tune again, another like real anthem for the sound system. And Danny Red's, you know, previous guest on this podcast, and such a, a great artist and kind of unique character as well.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, li- I like Danny really. It's um, yeah. I spent spent some time with him as well, so in my studio and when we were playing in. Paris, um, a really nice, nice guy, and so extremely professional. Just like, uh, just like Earl 16, you know, you put him in front of a mic, he voices, it and it's done. Yeah, artists like that—they're not—they're not
0: messing around, are they?
1: No, absolutely not. And they, they know what they're doing, and absolutely. Yeah, Danny Red has got like this voice of his own, you know, very recognizable. And and, ly- and lyrics as well, and and, and lyrics as well. You want? Oh yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's it's not only not only like uh, ja j- j- this and ja that. He's he's really got something mm-hmm. to say, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love love working with uh, with Danny Red. I still, still got got one tune in the pipeline uh, nice. recorded back then. Nice. <laughs> so. And you worked
0: with African Simba as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Also,
0: yeah. Also, very nice yeah, yeah. vocal. again, he's got a unique style and. Um, the sort of like a, like a foundation singjay kind
1: of style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, also. I don't know. I've done about four tracks with him or something like that. As, uh, sometimes I even don't remember who every uh, who, who passed by studio in uh, all this time. But you, you probably have the same. <laughs> I know. I know the feeling. It's like when you
0: record so many tracks. And are there any other kind of vocalists or artists that you, that really stick in your mind from stuff you've recorded over the years? Uh, Christine
1: Miller. Yeah, she's a great kind of underrated artist, but a great. vocalist. Oh, definitely! What a voice! What a wicked voice she's got, and also a lovely person. Sometimes you have uh, you have a kind of kind of feeling with someone that 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 that, that hits you, you know, and then. Yeah, the Christy Miller's got uh, I, I don't think she's still still working. I I,
0: she? I haven't heard from her for a while. So, yeah, I'm am not, not sure what she's up to, but um but yeah, just cuz it's 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 like the harmonies, the, the way to stack those harmonies is incredible. Yeah,
1: also also that, but her lead vocals are wicked as well, you know. The, yeah, man. Well, would love to work with her um a couple but you, of But times. you're right about those like when when you work with a certain artist, you
0: get a certain feeling because even though it's like here's the rhythm I've made the rhythm you're going to sing on it but to to make a finished production is a proper collaboration where you kind of vibes off each other for sure
1: exactly yeah you, you have to feel you have to feel each other that's, uh, in, in instead of that you have uh, have a singer in and he's doing anything uh, and and just get the money in the pocket and and he's done that it's not really and you you can hear it in the in the tracks you know if it's voiced like that so I'd rather work with someone uh, someone that I can that I that I feel and that uh, they feel me and they feel the rhythm as well because they also there are also artists that just don't feel the rhythm but still voice it mm-hmm and it's gonna be a quick thing, and it's it's a bit of a shame. And never, those those kind of things are not possible to release because you hear it. I I don't want to release those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, you can't fake that kind of shit. It's like if if the
0: artist is, no. is in the zone and kind of connected to the rhythm, then anyone can hear that.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's and that's the vibe and that's also the difference you hear in um in in when something's got uh, some tune is going to be a hit or not. That's that's also awesome. because that's the same with Peter Brox, you know. He's he's not uh, not really always uh, on key, but he's got like this kind of vibe that that it's possible you can he he can do it. Oh, for, for sure because it's
0: like the, the whole idea of tuning
1: and stuff. I think
0: cuz back in the day, obviously, you got you got the vocalist whose tune pitches maybe Wavering a bit, then also you've got the band who are kind of moving in and out of tune, and you've got the tape which is kind of moving in and out of sync. So you've got you've got a bit of play yeah. back then. But when you when you're in the dig- digital world, yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, oh, this singer's not absolutely perfect. It's like, well, of course they're not. No,
1: and, on, and then now in these days they go make it perfect with the auto tune kind of things, and then I said, well. That's a shame you use it. Not necessary. Even I heard I heard an auto tune on a, on, a, on a tune with a Junior Reid. Why? Yeah, when <laughs> yeah, someone's got a voice like that, it's a, it's like a crime. I ca- I can't understand these kind of things. I never I never use it. Um, if if it's not good, it's not good. And then you have to revoice. And you're as we do this interview, you're sitting in your studio.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sitting in my studio here, and it's like you're still mixing on an analog desk. Is that right? Yes. So why, why 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 do it in this crazy, old-fashioned... Because I do it the same way. But why why do you do it in this crazy, old-fashioned way? I mean, without trying to be too technical, because this is, you know... We could talk yeah. technical stuff forever, but it's interesting that you're still working in the old way like I am. Uh,
1: it's it, it's a game. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it's way more intuitive. Um, I, a couple of years ago... Oh well, already. I think already about ten years ago. I tried to go in the box. Uh, I sold all my hardware. When you say I in think.
0: the box, you you mean just working in a computer with yeah, no just, mixing just
1: desk, exactly, only with controllers and um, and these kind of things. And I've done it for about three or four weeks. And. It just didn't work for me, so I went looking, uh, looking for a mixing desk again. I sold everything, you know. I didn't have any hardware anymore. I, only controllers, computer. That's that's it. Well, I was uh, really, I was quickly done with that because it's uh, the sound is different. It's um, uh, you don't have to to, uh, to hassle to set things up. Um, now I go sit in the studio, I build my rhythm, I put it on the on the mixing desk and I can mix it instead of looking for all these kind of plugins which do about the same the same delay this, the same reverb mm-hmm. that in a plugin and you have to program everything. and that's not really what dub is.
0: Yeah, same because I, 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 I enjoy playing you know it's one thing building the rhythm and making it sound nice, but when it comes to dubbing it, adding effects and stuff. I find playing that on the desk to be, that's, I've tried other, like yourself, I've tried other ways to do it, but I just love to be on an analog desk,
1: controlling all the faders and... Yeah, that's that's the icing on the cake. I, I... Prefer to make the dubs instead of the vocal cut, You know, I do the vocal cut also on the desk, but then then I start with the dubs, and then at that point I really get into my element, You know, oh, with, with a name like Dub Creator, then you, you kind of have to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, true. The only the only thing with uh, yeah with uh, analog mixing desks is the, yeah, well, you have to to have to you have the maintenance. It's now and it's it, it sometimes it's a bit dodgy because you don't want like these mixing desks they're selling these days unless you have about 100 grand to spend. So mm-hmm. you have to look into the, to the older desks um, which were 100 grand back in the day but now uh, really affordable but you have to do some maintenance. That and takes they, some they time. are
0: getting old. I mean because even, even in the 90s when I first started buying equipment then the equipment was old. But yeah, you know, that's like tw- 25 years later, it's like it's 25 <laughs> years older, obviously. <laughs> yeah. so some of it is, is you know, it, it, I'm surprised by how old some of the stuff that I use every day is. It's like yeah well, me like too, say, yeah, main- maintenance is a thing.
1: I think, I think my, uh, my mix- mixing desk was built uh, around 1982.
0: and a lot of people listening to this podcast why't even been born in 1982 and certainly wouldn't have been to a dance in '82.
1: Yeah, but still, yeah, I got lots, lots of old. Uh, the, 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 there's one thing I never sold, and still uh, cherish that one. And that was the, the 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 first delay I ever bought. It was an analog echo with the bucket brigade thing, you know. Still got that one, and still using it every day. Yeah,
0: there's certain sounds that, like, yeah, they they become you know your signature sounds and like you can it's like having you know if you're a guitar player you have your guitar you've had for 30 40 years or something they they for me they're instruments
1: yeah exactly yeah for me for me as well but but like in a that like your signature signature sound it's, it's also the musicians you play with because you you also play with uh, with live musicians, right Mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah with like horns players and things it's also I, I al- always want to have the the, the same uh, the same people like my guitar player he's, he's got his own sound and like my horn players I always want to work with them because it's they also make um, make part of your sound.
0: Yeah, and they bring something to it, and especially if you've if you've been lucky enough to put together a team of people you can rely on who maybe don't work with other people, then it just gives your sound this sound that no one else has got because that, that's exactly, how it yeah. used, to, used to be back in the day.
1: Yeah, and and it's for, for me it's still the same <laughs> because I'm really really not happy if if uh, if uh, my musicians play with others at least not into the not not into the reggae and dub music, you know. <laughs>
0: I wonder what what you think has changed over the since you started producing music. What what kind of changes you've seen happen? Um,
1: you mean with my own music or with music? Just, other yeah, with your like? own
0: music and yeah, just the whole, the whole scene and your own music and kind of how how things have changed over that time over the last more than twenty years.
1: Uh, yeah, well, right. But yeah, for myself, uh, things got got more easy to do. Um, like like I said, you uh, you started out working with uh, tape machines um, uh, where you could record uh, twenty minutes uh, on twenty four tracks. Now you have this computer and you you, re- you record for uh, for months uh, on hundred thousand tracks, and. Uh, you can use these plugins, which are really nice. We did it. in in our days we you didn't have those. you have to you had to buy the the, the synthesizer modules and the synthesizers play everything through MIDI. So it's easy now in, now you only need a computer. that's about it. and people making music with only a computer. thing only thing I say is the approach is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing, uh, I see a lot of producers uh, using plugins in in their uh, workstations, and sometimes I ask why you use this plugin, and then they say to me, "Yeah, well, I don't know why, but it has to." And then I scratch the back of my head and think, "It has to." You so you don't listen to what it needs, and that's that's a different approach. That's I think that's the big change
0: you think that's because people have been kind of told this is how you should do it and that information is more
1: available rather than people working out their own methods exactly and learn and listen actually listen to uh, what they are doing that's, that's a bit of, yeah. That's why I said just that, um, a lot of tunes from these days producers sound exactly the same. They use the same sounds, they use the same plugins because everybody's telling each other you have to do this and you have to do that. So there's not, not really a, a difference. You, like Vibronix, you got your. When I listen to a Vibronix tune uh, and when I hear a tune, Coming by, and I I can hear it's vibronics. I can hear if it's a Rust Disciple tune. I can hear if it's a a, a, a Dougie tune, you know? Your own signature. And these days, the most don't have their own signature. Yeah. It's like
0: I can hear a spotter man, professor, or a scientist, or exactly, whatever. It's really yeah. important to have have that signature sound. I think, but also with like with the scene as as a whole, it's kind of you know when I think about like Ten Plagues, um, which was obviously you know twenty years ago or however long ago or well, a long time ago now. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 the the scene, you know, I say this to a lot of people. It's it's much much bigger than it was back
1: then, and. That's certainly something that's changed. But still, like, like these tunes from back back in these days, they're still uh, being being played, uh, being uh, listened to a lot. You, know, you can see you, that that's also the change is the is the release kind of thing. You know, uh, we we used to release on um, on vinyl and then depend on the vinyl sales. Now it's more that it's it's shifted to. Uh, to the online services so everybody's downloading and streaming even it's more more even to streaming than downloading these days I've noticed yeah and
0: that that took a long time in the reggae world for that like, you know that that was happening in other areas in music like you know rock music and pop music and like rap music and stuff before it happened to reggae but even in reggae it's like you're right the whole streaming thing's gone crazy
1: yeah absolutely but but on the other side it's a good thing you know it's, I think I think it's a good thing. There are lots lots of people complaining from, uh, especially the people from our age, you know, complaining from well, well, the vinyl sales are down and this and that and all the online stuff. Yeah, but yeah, you can complain, but also you can go with it. That's why I went back in these days from the end of the 90s with the mp3.com I, I saw this is going to be the future Well, you know? when, when you get to our age it's very easy, easy to complain about everything isn't it yeah, oh yeah <laughs> 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 absolutely <laughs>
0: uh, and what, what what kind of stuff um, have you got to look forward to for us like over the next period have you got anything new you're working on any new productions anything that, um, that we need to know about
1: um, well yeah really new productions uh, because at the, this time, the recording. Uh, I haven't been recording anything since a year with uh, with, with the COVID nineteen thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm looking into what I already recorded and what I what what I have in the vaults. So uh, at this moment, I'm working on um, on a ranking Joe and uh, Earl sixteen combination tune, which was recorded about five years ago. But uh, I've nice. never, n- never released, uh, never finished it since then because it's always good to have things on the shelf, you know. <laughs> Especially in this, these kind of times. It's true,
0: but when, you, when you're when you busy, you kind of almost forget that you've recorded stuff. I I look back and I find these things and I'm like, wow, wh- why didn't I do something with that? But if it happens in a busy period, it can Absol- easily get absolutely. Kind of, ev- everything fast forwards past it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think have about uh, six or seven terabytes of recordings on hard drives, and then you start l- uh, going through them if you because you are looking for something, and then you come across the things you re- re- you've recorded back then, l- like you like you say, yeah, man. Why didn't I do anything with that? And it's now I just, I'm releasing now a tune I recorded over twenty years ago with lyrical Benji called Jahovia. and I'm releasing it on um, uh, on a limited ten inch, so hand cut ten inch. And that's nice. Just, yeah, that's a good. That's what I'm doing uh, the last couple of months, just looking uh, through old old recordings and put them on a ten inch. And then only ten copies or maybe fifteen copies, and release those. It's 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 not a lot, but it's uh, it's just for the hardcore fans, you know, who are collecting these kind of things.
0: Yeah, the whole collecting kind of hustle thing. It's like I'm not sure how I feel about that, really, because it's. I mean, I, I've done some limited edition presses and hand cut stuff and whatever, and you know, it, it is cool to make something special. I, I and I, I'm I'm into that, but the other yeah. side of it is you know making music that most people can't get is a bit like well that's not really what i'm trying to do
1: no but that's not what i do either it's just the the 10 inches i release are um limited and there are different kind of mixes on it and i put also of the same tune i put mixes uh, on Bandcamp and like um, uh, all the other online outlets yeah that's that's the way to do it so, so it's still available to people that's
0: it for me that's really important well, cool. Well, listen, you know, we've been talking quite a while now. So, what I'll do is I'll ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end of the interview, which is my book of dub question. And that's where I have my book of dub. I write everyone's name in it. So, I'm going to write dub creator. And I wonder what you'd want written next to your name to something to be associated with your, your life in reggae.
1: Ooh, that's a hard one. It's <laughs> um... easy. Usually I would say, uh, you come up with something, but... It's not easy. It's definitely not no, it's, easy. C- can I think about you it? You can. I mean, it's interesting. You asked me to come up with
0: something. That's the first time. That's the first time a guest has asked me. Oh, right, is um, it? And I, I would, the, the first thing that pops into my mind is Dub Creator. He created Dub.
1: been true, true, true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's that's a good one, Steve. Yeah.
0: Well, that, that, that's the that's the great thing about these these silly questions I ask everybody is that there's no right or wrong answer. No, exactly. So, yeah, but, and for me, for me, it's interesting that I get to give your answer for you so yeah but yeah, i that,
1: think that's, that's cool. i think that's a good answer so just put that down <laughs> yeah <but> nice
0: <laughs> well you know we look forward to hearing these new productions and lyrical benji such such a great vocalist oh, so yeah, I look forward yeah. to hearing those long sort of long lost recordings from back in the day as well cuz you know that's that's what's great about the whole dub creator king Shiloh like amsterdam holland kind of thing is is coming with a with your own sound and your own artists, yeah. and kind of bringing new things to it. So that that's a cool thing, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of exclusivity as well. You know, I work uh, almost strictly for King Shiloh with these serious productions, and then I work, of course, uh, for myself. So you have, to, you, have to, you have to keep these kind of things up. Yeah, yeah. No, for
0: sure. For sure. Well, DC, thanks very much for uh, taking the time to uh, be part of the Life in Dub podcast. Yeah, well, I'm honored. Thanks for joining me and Dub Creator for this 34th episode of the Life in Dub podcast. Don't forget to tell people about the podcast, share it around, and help get these amazing life stories out to more and more people. If you want to get in touch remember you can just email me at vibronics at gmail.com thanks again for listening and i'll see you all again in two weeks for the next life in dub podcast